0: Oh, great big good morning to everyone. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair. Great to have you here joining me this morning. Whether you're joining us live in our studio audience or live online, or as most people do, archive throughout the week, it's great to have you here today. And, and today we're, we're looking at this topic of that, you know what, you're not the only one. And, that's, and that comes closely connected with this question, you're not alone. I know so much of life can feel that loneliness, we feel that intense loneliness, that that feeling that we are the only one going through this, that, or the other thing. And so much of life is finding community. So much of life is finding much bigger pictures. And one of the ways we find those bigger pictures here at New Church Live is through some of our small group programs. I do want to give a quick plug in. And again, these plug ins, they'll be dated if you're watching this this time next year. But these plug ins are about different things we offer to build community. One we have coming up is this spring book club with Mitch Album's book, Finding Chica. Wonderful book. Mitch Album, uh, him and his wife lost their, their daughter. And it's a beautiful book about coming to terms with loss and, and you know finding, finding his feet for him and his wife, finding their feet again, finding a way to move forward. So again, take a look at that. That's coming up in a month. And today, more specifically, we're going to be looking at, at, at some basic themes. The themes are going to be, you are not the only one. Worry, fear, bitterness, we all wrestle with it. And the real cure is togetherness and community. The real cure is togetherness and community. I, I was talking to a friend, and, and the friend is, who's part of our sermon writing team was saying, you know, as they were struggling with, with some issues around addiction, they said, you know, I, I, I felt totally alone in my disease. Totally alone in my disease. And, and that idea here, I was alone in my disease, and I didn't understand it. I couldn't get it. I, I felt totally bereft. And then I think with that word disease, right, I felt totally alone in my loss. I felt totally alone in my challenge. I felt totally alone when I was given this diagnosis. Like you could just fill in the blank there. And we don't understand it. And that's understanding it may not really be the the solution per se. But we have to start at that place. Yeah, I feel alone in this place. And, and it's interesting to take a look at that, at that particular question because what, what can we find? What can we be open to? And, and what choices can we make? And, and I don't, I don't want to make this out to be kind of a, a programmatic thing because I don't think it's ever that simple. I think we do the best we can. And some days when we're facing a real challenge, the biggest thing we can do actually is to get up and get a shower. That may be your victory for the day. But then there's other chances to step into a new place. And this person was saying, you know, they they went to their first 12-step meeting, they walk into one of the rooms, you have the 12-step tradition, you'll hear a lot about the rooms, walked into one of the rooms, they saw these people who understood, there was some smiles, some laughter, some connections, some tears, there were all those things present. And all of a sudden they realize, yeah, I'm not the only one. That, folks, is not just a natural moment. That moment is a spiritual moment. I, I think so much of life, we, 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 don't, we, don't, we do our spiritual lives a disservice when we kind of think that we're all living in a two-story house. <laughs> you know, we're upstairs the spiritual stuff, and down here's my life, and yep, sometimes we bop bop back and forth, but but they're really very different planes. I would ask you to think of this as we go through this service together today. Maybe we can think of just a one-story house a place where we can live, a place where we can live with other people that brings the best of spirituality, the best of life together. As we look at this, at the challenges around the simple idea that that sometimes we do deeply feel alone, sometimes we do deeply feel like we are the only one. Because when you do, you start to see, again, you start to see this picture, you start to see these rooms filled with, with other people, filled with connection. And that's so much the answer. Isn't it interesting? You know, I, I think we could look at, at, at faith and revelation you know, a couple of ways. We could look at it as, as a pure individual salvation game, or we could look at it as really being about relationships. I think from a Christian New Church perspective, we want to choose the latter, that this is really about, faith is really about relationships. Of course, there's a salvation, heaven, there's, there's all that part of it, but it's really a relationship thing. It's how do we build relationships? How do we sustain relationships? How do we, how do we have healthy relationships? Relationships with God, relationship with ourselves, relationship with other people. That's what this is all about. So as the musicians come out here for our first song, I want to welcome you to New Church Live. It is great to have you here today. We have a wonderful service ahead for you. As we just continue to look at this question, you know, what do we do? when we feel like we're the only one? How can that look and how can we find new life on the other side of that? So friends, welcome, welcome to New Church Live.
1: in the world in this time, come on, check it in your mind, the good things that you do, they will live on with you, yeah, you know it's true, and the wrong things that you do, Here's my advice to you Do the things that's good Just like you know you should And help your fellow man In any way you can Do the things that's right Every day and every night And you will understand What it is to be a man things that's right every day and every night and you will understand
0: Thank you for that beautiful song. And, and, you know, folks, today, you know, I hope today we can share together, you know, a poignant message because I think this is really poignant. I think this this kind of messaging matters in in a world where, where true connection can feel so elusive, so hard to find, and especially when we're struggling, you know, especially when we're struggling. For most of us, the, the, the automatic response is actually to try to downsize, to try to get as small as possible, but, but not small in a good way, small in an isolating way. And we're going to talk about right-sizing, we're going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it as a way, way, maybe where we can see our way towards a healthy way of doing that, a healthy downsizing that I think will surprise you, I hope will surprise you, I hope it gives you a new perspective on this, as God would have us see it. So, so I think a lot of the time, you know, and it's a story we're going to look at, we're going to be looking at a story of Elisha, you know, it's, he gets caught and we have this beautiful saying, an army surrounding the city. So these, these two prophets of God, they, they get stuck in this city and they're, they're surrounded, they're surrounded. What does that mean to you? Again, if, if we look at the Bible and we can, we can see it poetically, probably not a lot of us are going to end up surrounded in a city with the enemy around us, literally. But I imagine every single one of you, either in person or online, hearing this thinks, oh yeah, I remember that feeling, where I'm in that place, Or I fear I will be in that place, that place where we feel surrounded, surrounded by enemies. Now I'd ask you to think of that, and, and not think of surrounded per se as being like the bad guys out there, the good guys in here, it might be true, but, but let's look at it just in terms of what goes on in our souls. Let's take a look at these three, which we've been doing throughout this series. I'm gonna add a third one to it. A Couple weeks ago, we looked at worry. You know how worry can help us, can not help us, can can get us to feel that, that we're surrounded. Same with fear. Where are you today worried? What is that worry? Where are you today filled with fear. What's that fear? And then we have this, this third one as well, which is which I wanna talk a little bit about today. You know, this idea of bitterness. You know, that worry, fear, and bitterness. And I, and I think if we allow our worries and our fears to just slowly grind us down, oftentimes we do end up in a bitter place. Bitter that life hasn't turned out better. Bitter at the conditions that we're in. Bitter at at what appears like the unfairness of it all. And and I want to say, of course, life has unfair moments, but but bitterness is never the solution to that. I love this line from Seth Godin. Bitterness is consistent. It will never let you down. I mean, that's kind of an interesting one. Bitterness will never let you down. Never disappoint, because it's always going to be that thing. Bitterness is never ending, ending, impenetrable, and refuses to negotiate. If you give it a chance, it will persist. Bitterness lacks nuance or surprise. It is simply a wall you can lean against whenever you choose. Consistency is all it has to offer, actually. That's that's some good thoughts there. That idea, I, I love that image. Bitterness being this wall that we can always choose to lean on. We can always choose that. And I feel like those are the pieces that become an army that can surround us. And what happens, again, uh, you know, what happens is that it's, it's a distortion field. It's a malfunction of the instrument we use to determine reality. And, and what happens is the way we see the world, if, if you think of seeing the world through your worries, through your fears, and through bitterness, the whole way the world works is going to get completely turned upside down. And and the challenge is, as, as I see it, that the challenge is, is that we'll we'll really believe we're seeing reality. Like there's, there's this crazy way, and I think this is a bit of how hell works, where we look through our worries, our fears, bitterness, however you wanna phrase it, those, those parts, those lesser angels. We look through life that way. Life is, just gets totally distorted. Things get out of focus. We're really unable to see in the ways that we might actually like to be able to see the way God would have us see and that's, that's a difficult place to be. And, and what can we do? What can we do to change that? Well, we're going to talk today about a couple of things. Learn to live to scale, plug into something larger. Learn to live to scale, plug into something larger. That that's a way we can start to see this differently. We're going to look at this story, we're going to look at this beautiful story from the Bible to try to, try to see it and try to see how it works. This is a story from 2 Kings. And this is a beautiful part about about a couple of prophets. And again, they're surrounded in this city. It's a beautiful story about chariots of fire. When Elisha and his servant awoke in the morning, their city was surrounded by horses and chariots sent by the king of Syria to take Elisha captive. The servant was afraid. What should we do? the servant asked Elisha. Elisha told the servant, Do not be afraid. Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And again, that wasn't the appearance. The appearance was something far different. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the servant could see that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Such a a beautiful, beautiful image there. And, And just even folks see that, right? Like, here at one level are all these chariots, you know, this army that's surrounding, and yet at another level at a higher level the skies filled with chariots of fire. I mean, and I think about this, I think about a beautiful sunrise, a beautiful sunset, that's, that's what it must have been like to see that. And opening eyes and be able to see this, this much greater reality of life. Again, that's Little aside, that's the idea of the one story house. It's, it's not, we're not dividing it anymore. We understand that, that that spiritual peace is with us at all times. I wanna talk for a minute about, about what does it really mean when we, when we learn to live to scale? How does that work? How, does, how might we be thinking about that? So I'm gonna sit down over here for a second. That idea of, of learning to live to scale, I think there's so much of life where we're trying to get right-sized. Right-sized for the lives that we're living, right-sized for how we're to move through life. I feel that's really where we're at peace. I feel if, if we're anxious or we're or, or just feeling like unsure, it's because we're probably not fully right-sized, because when we're right-sized, we're able to hold so many of the paradoxes of life, but we're able to hold them because we're right-sized. And what does that mean? Well, Folks, just imagine, again, you're you're outside, and all of a sudden, like, chariots of fire. The sky ablaze with angels. Now, very few people, I've known no one who's actually had that experience, except for from this Bible story, but you might have had an experience like that before, an experience that just left you in awe, just in awe for the moment. And, and think about that place, right? When you, when you see that, when you see that experience, and the awe that surrounds it. You know, when you see your children, when you see your children, and you see what they're doing in the world. When, when you have the birth of a child. When, when, when you see them, the anything really, really that leaves you in awe of what someone else is doing. We're going to be looking a lot at that in the next series. Just that sense of awe and how that, how that just right sizes us so quickly. But notice this, folks, like, like when we live life to scale, it's not, it's not something that crushes us. And, and there's lots of theology out there that you can grab onto where there's this perception that somehow that's what God is doing, that God is here kind of crushing us and, and compacting us down. That's not it at all. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about when we learn to be right-sized and we learn to be right-sized because we're able to feel like we're held. I wanna say that again. We're able to feel like we're right-sized because we're able to feel like we're held. That's very different. Not crushed, but held. And it's interesting, right? I, I think so important when we look at things of the spiritual, of spiritual nature, it's, it's not like one's bad and one's good. I know a lot of people who that's been the journey is they did feel crushed. They went through a loss or a challenge or, a, or an addiction that made them feel totally crushed for a period of time. But then somehow mercy starts, starts to just gently work its way in. Grace starts to slowly permeate the cracks in the concrete. There's just this softness, there's this wisdom of tenderness that starts to happen. And then we can feel held. Then we can feel held. I imagine that almost all of us have had that feeling that feeling of a life that was just totally overwhelming, we're feeling totally crushed, and there is someone or something that just helped us to feel held for a second. I was thinking this morning, and actually this, this predates New Church Live, predates our work here as a congregation, and, and I'd gone through a really, a really really, devastating loss in my life. And I'm not gonna go into the details of that, but it was devastating, still to this day, the most devastating time period of my life. And literally, we, there was an event here, in this very building. Again, this is pre-New Church Live. And I walk out, and my buddy Jason was there. Jason had flown the whole way from Colorado, just to spend a couple of days. Didn't tell me he was coming, just showed up. And from being crushed, I felt held. From feeling totally surrounded by worries, fears, a growing bitterness, what happened is I saw chariots of fire. That's the process we're talking about here. And that's, that's, that, that's that right sizing that God asks us to do. And, and, and how does that come about? Well, I, I think part of it, folks, when we're talking about this in Sermon Writing Team, I think this is really important. It's, it's, it's about validating, like, where we are and validating where other people are and then plugging into something large. And you know, what do I mean by that? Well, that, that validation. I love, I love the idea, of, you know, I like sports, right? And I love the idea, well, that was a rookie mistake. A rookie mistake is to hop right into solutions before validating where someone is. And that's not to say, I really don't like lists that say these are the five things to say, five things never to say. I think we're just supposed to say something and just keep on working. And yet there is something where, where we can reach out and at least start validating where each other, where we are, where we are on this journey, including folks, if it is a crushing place a place where we feel surrounded. I'm speaking on behalf of, of the hundreds of people I know who've gone through that, and I know what gets spoken of a lot is, is just the idea that someone just could be with them. Again, before understanding being held, that someone just could be with, with them and validate how hard it was, or how hard it is. Oftentimes, that it means less words, not more words. Oftentimes that means parking aside our agenda so that we can just learn to be with. When we can do that, I think there's a way in which we all start to move towards something larger. And I think, I think God, again, this is part of what God is doing. God is constantly moving us into those larger pieces, those larger, those larger bits. And it's interesting looking at this story and looking at it from a Christian New Church perspective because from a Christian New Church perspective, one of the things that was really striking to me was, was where we get asked to think of the importance of this story. And it's not, the, the real importance that keeps on, Emmanuel Swedenborg keeps on hitting on again and again and again and again is not angels, angels uh, you know, chariots of fire up in the sky. I mean, though, that's a beautiful part what he keeps on asking us to think about, to consider, to to wonder about, is the line where that prayer, like, Lord, open their eyes. It's it's about this this eye-opening experience. Can can we work at opening our eyes? It's it's so easy, even as I say that, to treat it almost like a cliche, like, well, open your eyes, look out there. No, 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 no. Opened your eyes open your eyes work at seeing see if if you look at the two servants as some part inside of us there is a part folks chills even saying this there's a part in all of us that already sees we may, may not pay much attention to it we may not give it much importance. We may get so lost in the busyness of life that we forget, but allow that part to be true and allow that part to prayerfully ask for bigger sight, for bigger vision, for bigger ways of seeing. Now, as we ask for that, of course, folks, it's, it's, not, it's not like all of a sudden, again, the clouds are gonna part and, and, and here's chariots and here's all this, that, and the other thing. It's just, it's just we start to see life differently. And, and, and it's, not, it's not that we see different things, it's just we see differently. When our spiritual eyes are opened, we see life in just, in just a much different way and we're able to see a grace of God and it's a grace of God that doesn't just, again, I, I think about like, like water coming through the cracks of the concrete. It's a grace of God that holds the whole thing. It's a grace of God that is across all things. It's it's a mercy that we can't even begin to understand. And I think it's easy for us to to hold those things, and again, hold them as like this, this pilgrimage that we need to take, or we talked about this a little bit last week, but that it's this big, epic journey. It's not. Friends, brothers, sisters, like open your eyes where you are right now. I'm not traveling to a different place, because that's not what this story is about. This story is about opening your eyes right in that place, including the places where you might feel surrounded. A few a few weeks back. We were closing up our small group. New Church Live, by the way, highly recommend you do a small group at some point in time. It's a great way to meet people. And and we had this this crew. This was our last night together. I asked them to all pose for for a big epic shot. And it it was it was an incredibly powerful evening. Incredibly powerful evening. And people in all kinds of different places, and in different ages, and different states, and and just talking about like how life was going to work. And just, just the scene that took place, like Lord, open their eyes so they can see. And I'm not saying that prayer. What it is is it's these people. They're not, asking, not praying for that. They're living it. They're living life with their eyes open with chariots of fire. You know, our dear friend over there on the right, Carl Parker, he's the one far right in the middle there. Carl's a dear friend of many in this congregation. He's preached from, from this stage. He's a retired pastor, amazing human being, and I know he's watching today. And Carl was sharing what it's, what it's like as he goes through his own, and he's public about this, his own battle with cancer. Friends, it was chariots of fire. He's sharing these things and the group is honoring it all and listening and offering their holding. And I wanna say how important that was. It wasn't a big advice session. It was just a session of people holding each other. Life lived in scale, life lived in scale right-sized, and at the same time, when we live life in scale, it's gonna enable us, it's, it's almost impossible to get language around this. When we live life in scale, that is what will allow us to plug into something larger. And this is, this is a very different way to, to see it. It's, it's not, it's not this big self-esteem stuff that I feel like we're so addicted to in our culture. I mean, when was the last time you heard someone say, live your life to scale? <laughs> I don't say that. People talk about like, you know, how big can you make your life? How much self-esteem can you have? That, that it's, it's like this balloon we, we need to pump up and pump up and pump up and pump up. That, that kind of self esteem is not what it's talking about here, right? And, and understand, folks, it's, it's not that if you're living life to scale that you feel less of less. You don't. I mean, that's, that's one of those amazing paradoxes of spirituality. When we learn to live life to scale, when we see the sky filled with chariots of fire, and we get the, we get the part that we are. As Carl Jung said, where we descend the ladders and come down to this little clod of earth that we are. And he's not saying that in a bad way. He's saying, yeah, we get, we get this deep groundedness. That's an incredibly powerful place to be. A quote I've mentioned a number of times from C.S. Lewis, a beautiful quote. He said, he said Some burdens, listen to this, like this should just, just resonate so loudly in your ears. C.S. Lewis said, There are some burdens in life so great so great, only the humble can carry them. There's some burdens that are so great, only those people who have somehow managed to right-size their lives can carry them. And we're all blessed by those who figured that out. It's interesting because I'm thinking, like, live life to scale, and here's my life, and yet if it's all this big individual individual self-esteem project, we're just going to inflate ourselves so big there won't be anything to plug into that's bigger because we've taken up all the space there's no curiosity in that there's no search there there's just this churning over and over again for constant revalidation that's not what the spiritual life is all about and i would want people to hear that and to know that God wants you to have, God clearly wants people to have this this deep, grounded love of self where they really have this self-confidence and they, they understand the gifts that they have and they're able to pass those on and they really do feel good about themselves. And it's a good about themselves in a way that's constantly plugging into something bigger. Constantly serving something bigger. Constantly connecting with something bigger. Because we've learned our part, we've learned our role, we've learned our little piece. Now what might that look like? Here's here's a beautiful passage from Philippians 2. This is from Paul. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Again, you can hear that whole like, live life to scale. And there's a beautiful twist there around image and likeness. Like the beginning of the Bible, Genesis starts with, with God makes humanity in his own image. And here there's, I think, a very deliberate, subtle nod to that it goes the other way too. That here's God saying, yeah, and I'm made in your image. And your likeness. Mm. So friends, Let's think about how that might work. Let's let's, let's really, really take some time to think about what the power is there. And one way to understand the power of it is to understand the power of story. I'm going to ask you to think about this question here. Your moment that might have been like Jason. Who reminded you that you were not alone? Who in your life did that? What you can do is is you can text an answer to me at 215-740-3662. Again, that's 215-740-3662. You leave a comment in one of our chat rooms. And just think about that and, and allow that to maybe be a little bit of a call for you. A little bit of a way to kind of see what life looks like when we live life to scale and then we learn to do this, to plug into something Far larger.
2: They were working on the family farm. They never did anybody no harm. They were watching the news, it seems the rest of the world was alarmed. The weatherman predicted more rain while the anchor man was going insane. They looked out the window, saw light passing by like a flame. Distant star many light years from where we are, aliens discovered we're just like each other in heart. So they beat us down a radio wave. They said your planet Earth still can be saved, but everyone here. Living in fear must be brave We must be brave We're not alone Everything's changed We're not alone
3: Church Live, it's Angela. I just wanted to show you on our homepage some of the places that you can find stuff. Oftentimes, people are asking how to get involved and how to donate, and it's super easy if you go to our website. So our website is NewChurchLive.tv, and you can find all of the events on our event tab. So currently, we have our spring book club. We have volunteer dates trip to South Carolina and other things. This is obviously updated. So if you're watching the service back at a later date, this will be updated. You can also go to our Get Involved page and that's where you can find out more about volunteer opportunities, but also about volunteering at New Church Live and supporting the church. And lastly, donate. We need all of your support to run all of the programs and initiatives here at New Church Live. And if you click that button, you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. It's super easy, and it's deeply appreciated. We could not do any of the things we do here without your support. So we hope that you will make a donation today or get involved. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. We are here to support you, and we just appreciate all of your support. So thanks, everyone.
0: Thank you, Angela. So, yeah, it's, just, it's interesting to think about, right, what if, what if we really understood and really were able to share, yeah, you're not the only one. You're not all alone. And then we understood that, again, folks, not as in like a two-story house where, yeah, there's these angels and, and heaven and everything, but we need to go upstairs to get there. But, but instead, we, one story, there's angels. And there's heaven. It's all around us. And we really could say the prayer like, Lord, open our eyes to see. I mean, there's a message, right? That message can translate if you're looking to somebody say, you're saying you're not alone. Sebastian saying it in German. Go. Hi, I'm Sebastian. Du bist nicht alleine. Or whether you're hearing Ceci say it in Spanish. Go ahead.
3: Hola, soy Ceci. No estás solo. Yeah.
0: Where we can hear it, where we can hear it from these, from these different voices, and we can we can start to see in our own experiences how it has worked. I mean, just some beautiful, beautiful ones. Here's somebody wrote, I'll just read some of the ones we got today. I had a near-death experience in 19. 87, which concluded with me being gently told that I could stay there or go back. I had to choose right then, immediately. My thoughts went to my three-year-old son. My mother died when I was three and I felt that absence throughout my life and I knew I couldn't do that. I opened my eyes and was back in intensive care. Beautiful, beautiful there, right? Another person, my first time seeing, was on a DVD given to, given to me by mutual friends. It was a couple years before you and I met. Talking about New Church Life here. It was about forgiveness. She and I each struggled with forgiving previous relationships. I think this is one of the many things that connected us. And folks, like, let's just even look at that, right? Like, you're not alone. The way forgiveness—that's a beautiful point. The way forgiveness can play into that. And with the other one, the way, the way again, like, um, yeah, I don't want to—I don't want to overstate this, but maybe I do. I, I, think, I think maybe we all have a near-death experience, and and not necessarily literally a near-death experience. I mean, we have that experience where we, where we understand that, that we have this choice, right? We have this choice to live very, in a very deep and connected way. This weekend was rare. I had the house to myself and was alone. My sister came over and gave me the companionship I didn't know I needed. That's a beautiful line there. I mean, how many of these times are we just surprised by these chariots of fire? Like, I didn't know I needed that, and yet we did. Another dear friend wrote, in a crushing time of my life, Mara Boyson, who was a teacher in this area, pulled me out, held me and reminded me I wasn't alone. Again, can you see there, right again, the the beautiful transition from a crushing experience to a being held experience. And some people are incredibly gifted at that holding holding others. Another person writes, my mother-in-law has been such a rock for me. When I call her, she validates my feelings. There's that validation again and while helping me to turn to God. It's a beautiful thing that people do. They, You know, that that beautiful quote, God loves you exactly as you are and loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay that way. Uh, It's that beautiful turning that happens. I can be alone in my truck, but she makes me feel so lifted up, surrounded and loved. Beautifully said. When I first came to New Church Live and we were on a walk after church, I said something to you about your church and you said, no, it's our church. And it's interesting the way language changes. When we, when we start to move away from you know, feeling that loneliness, feeling like we're the only one, and understanding the connection is, we go to the plural, to the plural pronouns. We start to talk about we. We start to talk about us. That's a very different, much more powerful place to be. Another person writes, you remind me of this, New Church Live reminds me of this every weekend. And finally someone writes, so many kind strangers. Beautiful line, you know that line from from Hebrews, uh, welcome the stranger for you might be entertaining an angel unawares, beautiful line there. Folks, what, what do we find when we do this, like when we, when we can really do it? And this is, this is not easy work, right? And, and this is really something we're allowing God to do. It's not something that we're going to set out a program, a big expedition and figure all out. This is just speaking to what God is doing. What does it look like to in that surrounded part of your life and you allow this very gentle, gentle, gentle thing of God That's going to help you to live life to scale, gently, help you to live life to scale, help you to plug into something bigger. And as that journey goes on, we start to do that even corporately. We start to live to scale, we start to plug into larger things. And that is kind of rinse, wash, repeat. We keep on repeating that cycle as best we can. We lose track, that's life. There's nothing wrong with that story, that's what we do. We keep on doing that over time. Where does does that lead your life? I mean, imagine, you know, for those of you, I know we got a lot of young couples who watch, imagine if with your children or or those who you've been given to care for, imagine you could really give them that life-giving message. Yeah, let's live life to scale and let's plug into something larger. Help them to see the chariots of fire. What happens when we do that? How does the world start to look? Well, remember, we started out the service by saying, yeah, you know what, if we come from our worries, our fears, and bitterness, it's, it's this distortion. Everything, the, the ways we, det- even the very instrument with which we determine reality, which is our perception, gets totally warped and flipped, and we'll give, give a totally inverse view of the way life is actually working. But imagine we do it differently. And again, I, I want to say here, folks, for fear, worry, bitterness, like good luck just saying you're never going to fear or worry or for, feel bitter again. Good luck with that. It's not about that. It's about saying, okay, those things are given. I will feel surrounded on occasion. How do I do it differently? How do I see, how do I see these chariots of fire? Because, because the way they get out of this conundrum in this story from 2 Kings isn't that they go with swords battling their way out. No. They find out that God has struck their enemies and their enemies can't see them. They're invisible to their enemies. I think that's the best of us, right? The very best part of all of us is it's invisible to those those places in ourselves that are not that evolved. They can't see it. And, And we start to again, step into a very different place we start to move towards a different a different way of seeing the world. And here's a piece of new church theology here that I just love. Our, well, our general viewpoint governs all our specific perceptions, including, of course, all our sense impressions, whether acquired through our eyes or ears. To those whose hearts are glad, for instance, everything they hear or see appears cheerful and smiling. I love, I love that last line, I love that last line. Just, just imagine we live life in such a way where we're living life to scale, we're plugging into something larger, and what we start to see over time is we start to see the world smiling back at us, smiling back to us. It's not, folks, that that's easy. I, I think there are, there are times in life where the whole idea that the world's going to smile back at you, it's just, it's just, it's not accessible at this moment because the loss is so great or the challenge is so big. And I do think if we stick with the spiritual life long enough, which is another way of say, saying, friends, have faith. It's not the end of the story we will see the world smiling back at us. We will see our loved ones again, smiling back at us. We will see those who we've had challenges with, where the relationships have been strained, when we meet again, we're all both going to be in a better place. And we will experience that smiling back at us. We'll see the world, maybe on occasion, maybe in these little ways, the world smiling back at us. Friends, maybe that's the chariots of fire. And that smile is a grace-filled smile. That smile is a smile filled with mercy and love and compassion. It's the smile of God. So as we go through this week ahead, friends. Whatever part of this message somehow resonated, I mean, the beautiful part of Chariots of Fire is, is again, as with all things. God doesn't ask us to just be passive observers. He asks us to be active participants, knowing that it's his life, it's his way, we're to use his gifts. But he wants us to be active participants in this. He wants you to just think this week, maybe open your eyes a little bit. Maybe be a chariot of fire for someone else. Maybe it means today this. Maybe it means today you think of someone and you know who they are. And you just write them a simple note that just says, I'm thinking of you today. I wanted you to know you're not the only one. You are not alone and watch the chariots appear. Amen. What we're gonna do now, friends, is we're gonna close the service. We're gonna close the service with a prayer, with the Our Father prayer, and we'll do a blessing, and then you have a moment of of quiet meditation, and then we're gonna do a song that's all about a beautiful smile. So please join me as we close today's service. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And, Lord, allow our prayer, our prayer to be this, to open our eyes, to open our eyes to see the chariots of fire that surround us, not just the fears, worries, and bitterness that can feel like that surrounding, but the true surrounding that is your love, your willfulness, your way, that holds us in love, that holds us, doesn't crush us, that holds us on all of our journeys home. Thank you for being with us today, Lord. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thine will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Bring you peace and bring you home And this week, bring us forever the reminder, we are not alone. Amen.
1: But a song we sing Fear the way we die You can make the mountains ring Or make angels cry Though the bird is on the wing And you may not know why Come on people, smile on your brother Everybody get together Try to love one another right now Some may come and some may go He will surely pass When the one who left us here Returns for us at the last We are but a moment sunlight Fading in the grass Come on people Smile on your brother Everybody get together Try to love one another right If you hear the song we sing You will understand You hold the key to love and fear All in your trembling hand. Just one key unlocks them both They're at your command Come on, people Smile on your brother Everybody get together Try to love one another right now Yeah Come on, people Smile on your brother Everybody get together Try to love one another right now, right now, right now.
2: Have a good week, everybody.
1: to get together, try to love one another, right?